0: Would you open us up in prayer? Good morning, Father. Thank you so much again for, for another beautiful day, Father God. Thank you that you love and do it forever. Your mercy is new every morning, Father God. And it's our desire, Father God, that you speak to us during this morning, Father God, and the Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Penetrate our heart, mind, and soul, Father God. Help us not just to be just here of the Word, but to be doers of the Word, Father God. And I thank you so much for this day. Thank you for provision. Thank you for your love for us. So, Lord Jesus, we love you. We give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you, God, just for that truth, Lord. The Word says that he who the Son has set free is free indeed. And we thank you for that freedom, Father, for those who are in Christ are freed. Our chains have been broken. We're no longer a slave to sin and death. But, God, we are called to be a slave unto righteousness. Father, that you have made the crooked path straight. God, you've called us out of darkness and brought us into your marvelous light. That we would be bearers of truth and light in a darkened world. That we would be your ambassadors, declaring the good news. Father, we pray as we open your word today, God. That we would be attentive to your Holy Spirit. God, that we would not only be hearers of the word, but we would be doers. That we would recognize the urgency of the hour. God, that you've purposed each of us for such a time as this. God, make us fit for your kingdom, Lord. That we would put our hand to the plow and not look back. It was spoken earlier in prayer, God, that you would make us ready, Father. Because Jesus, you are returning. And while While we are waiting for that, Lord, we are to be diligent in furthering your kingdom as you empower us, as you strengthen us, as you have gifted us. That we're not to be just idly sitting by, casually hanging out. But that, God, we are to be diligent we are to persevere that we are to continue to mature and to grow for there's work to be done God and I pray that we would be effective laborers Lord out in the harvest fields help us to get our eyes off of ourselves and our circumstances Lord and help us holy spirit to fix our eyes upon you for none of this can be done in and of our own selves god it has to be a life that is transformed and dependent upon the holy spirit a life that has received your grace the power to transform us a life that is sustained by your mercy as you are sanctifying us, Lord. And so, Father, we thank you, God, that we've come today to sit at your feet. And we say, Father, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we weren't going to pick back up in our series, but we're actually picked back, we'll pick back up With that, next Sunday. Today we're going to 1 John. 1 John is where we're going to find ourselves today. And in this, John is writing this letter to the church. And I want you to hear why he wrote this and and the purpose of this letter. You see, it's in this that he exhorted his readers to do several things. And I believe that these are The same things that are needed for the church today in this hour. As it was then, so it is now. The first one is to walk in the light with God and fellow Christians. Number one, walk in the light with God and fellow Christians. Number two, confess their sins. Number three, love God and others. Number four, to purify themselves from worldly lust. Number five, to follow the spirit of truth. And finally, number six, esteem Jesus Christ as God let's hear these again we're called to walk in the light with God and with fellow Christians would you think about that as for yourself are you walking in the light with God and fellow Christians and what does that look like to walk in the light with God and fellow Christians are you confessing your sins? Are you loving God and others? Are you purifying yourself from worldly lusts? If we as Christians understand that this world is not our home, then why are we so desperately clinging to it? Think about that. I was talking to Carrie earlier about that. Think about the, the desires that are within and where they lead you. Worldly desires. It doesn't have to be for the riches and the fame of the world, it could just be acting like the world. Can you imagine the desire just to rebel? To gossip, to slander? To have a potty mouth, to be lazy and ineffective. Those are the desires too of the world. But think only of yourself first and not considering others. Think about this. We're to follow the spirit of truth. And we're to esteem Jesus Christ as God. You see, John stressed the importance of fellowship in order to safeguard against further division and heresy. It's important to maintain the unity. To maintain the unity so that, again, we as the church, as it was then, so it is now, we need this in order to safeguard against further division and heresy false teaching if we put these six things into practice really living it out we would safeguard against division and heresy he opens up he says we, chapter 1 we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning whom we have heard and seen We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us. And we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with him. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. There was a false teaching that was entering the church. And in this false teaching... They were denying that Jesus Christ had actually come in the flesh. So in order to push back on this false teaching, he opens up this letter and he reminds them, we have seen him. We apostles, we have seen him. He is the word of life. We touched him. No, Jesus came. Careful of the things that lurk in or creep into the church that tried to strip Jesus of who he is and what he accomplished. Careful of how we just water him down just to be common. Like the rest of us. He's not common like the rest of us. He is God. I posted on Facebook this picture Portrayal, if you would, of Jesus being whipped and beaten. It's from the the, the movie The Passion. His hands are tied, and he's standing there, and his body's just ripped apart. And then my quiet time the other morning as I was reflecting on this picture saying to myself that's my king that's my king I like he took upon that for me like his body was beaten broken chunks of flesh ripped off from him for me by his stripes I am healed. And then they made him carry his own cross. Until the point they nailed him to it. If you're a Christian, this is your king. He died upon that cross, taking upon
0: my sin.
1: See, that should have been me. That should have been you enduring that wrath of God. But Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, stepped down from his throne And said, I'll take the punishment. I'll do your will to reconcile them back to us. (laughs) Have you given thought to that? And on the third day, he rose again. I love that line in the song, just when hell thought it had won. There was a third day. You see, just when hell thinks that it has you down, remember you all the third day. Jesus conquered sin and death. And as we've gone through this Friday night study, we understand we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. But do we get that? I mean, have you really given thought to that in your day-to-day struggles? (laughs) That you're fighting from victory. You're not fighting for victory. No, you have the victory. If you're in Christ, you're free. You're whole. You have it. Now just learn to walk in it. What does that look like for you? Well, hopefully these six steps, if you would, that are being addressed today can encourage you. You want to know how you ought to live? Go back and review these six steps. What does that look like? If you're unsure, get discipled in it. Grow in it. Move in it. Become it. Because that's who you are. There's so much chaos and calamity all around the world. We're living in times that are shaking. Where places overnight are being turned in to third world countries. Worse than third world countries. When everything that people have put their hope in is gone from them. In an instant. We can't keep doing life the way we've been doing it. We can't. Not when we're seeing everything going on around us. When such strife and division and discord is on the rise. We as the church can't be a part of that. We've got to hold up the standard of truth. Though that in itself will divide, will bring division. And that we don't back down from. Because that's all we have to give. The truth of his kingdom, of who he is, and what he's called us to. He took it upon himself to come, to humble himself, to endure what he had to endure so that we could be free. He knew that in and of ourselves we couldn't do it. So he came. And John is reassuring the church. Oh, he came. Don't let these false teachers (coughs) in trying to persuade you differently. The church has always been warned. Be careful of what you're listening to. Of what you're taking it in. If it doesn't line up for who he is, get away from it. When people try to tell you you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this this and that and this and that, and it's making it about you, then that is not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus. His life, his death, his, his resurrection, his ascension, his authority. We need him in and of ourselves. We could never have accomplished it. Careful of what creeps in. That man is trying to exalt man or man is trying to exalt self. No, we're to remain humble. That is our position. Careful of the voices that you're listening to that do not line up with God's truth. How are people swayed from God's truth? It's because they're not abiding in Him. if you know him if you're abiding in him you're not gonna be swayed you're not gonna be tossed here and there with every form of teaching no you're grounded you're rooted you're allowing your roots to grow deep everyone is seeking for God's blessing God's blessing and yet they're not seeking for God they want his presence but not his presence take care of God take care of us provide for us do for me God and yet he's not even their Lord everyone's questioning God and and God this and how can God allow this and God do this Well, how can you do you? When a holy, righteous God has revealed himself to you time and time and time and time again, and you still spit in his face and say, you're not God. Wow. Let us be reminded that he is God. That he is Lord. That he has all dominion. Like he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. He goes on here and says this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declared to you God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth I don't know how you read the Bible. <laughs> but do you read it quickly? Do you just read it, just say, "Oh, well, look, I check off, I have read it? Or do you really just allow it to sit on you and allow the Holy Spirit to really bring in conviction? Because did you just hear what was just read? God is light, and there is no darkness in Him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. We say we have fellowship with God. We say we are Christians, and yet we go on living in spiritual darkness, spiritual ignorance. We're not practicing the truth. We're liars. Thinking we have something that we really don't. I've always told you the greatest deception is not that you're deceiving others, but that you're deceiving yourself. That you think you're free, but you're really not free. So when you're around free people, it irritates you. Like you're walking in deception. You're deceiving yourself. You're holding a form of religion, and yet inside you know no freedom because you have no fellowship with God. And yet, but you claim you do. You're not humbled. You're not submitted. No, you are still in charge. And you're telling God to come with you. God has no part of that. He says here, but if you are living, and thank God for the buts. We just heard what happens if you're not. But if you are living in the light as God is in the light, Then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Hmm. The depth of our fellowship is the depth of light that we're walking in. Because light and darkness cannot coexist. They'll never mingle, if you would, and get along. There's always a separation. Always. But if you are living in the light, as God is in the light, because again, we just read that God is not in the darkness, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. What do Christians have in common? The blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all of our sins. We are free people. And in that freedom, there's such unity that comes from it. That's how we can forgive each other of our grievances. That's why we're not holding on to unforgiveness because we recognize that we are free people because we're in the light. Light defines us. And as long as light is defining us, there's no division. There's no heresy creeping in because we're in the light. Do you see how important it is to abide in Christ, to remain, remain in Christ, to remain in the light? Because darkness cannot coexist with light. And yet we know that the Bible tells us that the wheat and the tares, they kind of grow together. There will be those sitting in the church who think they're of the church, but in reality they're not. But those should not be affecting those who are in the light. Because we're established in the light. We have been forgiven of our sins. He says here, if we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins, to cleanse us, look at this, from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. The confession of sin. It's not a one-time little prayer. It's every day confessing and repenting and not like oh i'm sorry oh i'm sorry no like i told you before like when you've talked about it's like what the bible says it's that godly sorrow like oh how could i be a part of that
2: how can i let that come out of my
1: mouth so easily how can i let that enter into to be entertained by it so quickly to be purifying myself from the worldly desires and lusts. This world is not my own. The desires of the things of this world and of the old nature is not who I am. Because as we've read so many times, we have nailed the desires and the lusts to the cross. We've left them there. So now we're new people, transformed into his likeness. And he has nothing to do with darkness. That's why he can say, Be holy as I am holy. He says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. The one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do, remember your advocate. The one pleading for you. This excuse that we make. That we can just continue to let sin master us? And just treat it as if it's nothing? Treat it as if it's just, uh uh-huh. Either what he accomplished, he accomplished, or he's a liar. But God doesn't lie. He can't take part of darkness. Do you really... Meditate on the truth, that you're in Christ, you're forgiven, you're made whole, you are now, you know, engrafted into his family, he calls you his child, he has empowered you by the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God says he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. So if we know this to be true, then why do we excuse sin and allow it to master us? And just throw out the phrase, I'm only human. Because if you're only human, then you're of the darkness. Because your human nature only knows to rebel. No, you're no longer human, if you would. You have been born again of the Spirit. You live now by the Spirit. You walk habitually in the Spirit so you don't gratify the desires of the flesh. But if you're not abiding in Christ, if you're not in the light, all you know is darkness. And they can't coexist together. That's why it's vital that you're being disciple. That's why it's vital that you're walking in truth. That you're living in truth. That you're allowing truth to impact your life so that your life is being lived differently. I write this to you, he says, so that you will not sin. But if you do, remember Jesus. That's beautiful. Such hope in that. Such hope in that. For Christians who have found themselves enslaved again to sin. You ought not to be sinning. But if you find yourself enslaved to it again, remember Jesus. Confess your sins. He says, and we can be sure that we know him. If we obey his commandments, if someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live and God should live their lives as Jesus did. Where is the church hearing this? Because we've got a lot of people running around. Funneling into church. Calling themselves believers. And yet the church is being reminded. Oh. If you're not obeying him. then you're a liar. And you're not in the truth. (laughs) Wow. And then, look at the standard. Not that man has placed. That God has placed. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. That's how you're to be living. Like Jesus. Think about that. That's how you ought to be living. Again, it's not about condemnation and shame and guilt and this weird stuff that we do to ourselves because we've all done it. If you don't see your life as living as Jesus, then just allow the conviction lead you to repentance, to long for that. Because only He can give that to you. You can't muster it up yourself. It's the Holy Spirit. It's this gift of repentance. It's His love that draws you in. He first loved us. So get right with Him. Don't twist it up in your head. No, get right with God. He says, dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have heard from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment. And you are living, you also are living in it. For the darkness is disappearing, and a true light is already shining. If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light, and does not cause others to stumble. Wow! But anyone who hates another brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by darkness. I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I am writing to you who are mature in faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I have written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I have written to you who are mature in faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I have written to you who are young in faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. So in saying this, he goes on and says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. And we've talked a lot about it here. Why would we settle for the temporalness of life when everything about it is fading is dying no we're to put our hope in jesus we're to put our hope in who he is what he's accomplished and his return our hope in christ will never disappoint us that is what we have to offer to the world but it has to be what we believe if we ourselves don't believe it, then we're not walking in the light and we will not represent the light. We could talk about the light all day long, but if the light hasn't manifested itself through us, if we're not living as Jesus lived and loving as Jesus loved and serving as Jesus served, then we're just in the dark, just like the rest of the world. We're no different, no matter how we want to try to clean ourselves up and try to present ourselves right, we're not. We're just as lost as they are. But if we're in the light, if we're abiding in Christ, if he is our all in all, then our lives will be different. It will be different. It can't help but to be different. He says, dear children, the last hour is here. Think about that. He wrote it then, and just as it is then, so it is now. It's still the last hour. The time is among us at any moment. But do you see how dark the world's growing? Quickly, 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 quickly. Things are changing, 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 changing. Do not abide in the darkness. Get into the light. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Be revived. Be restored. Hear the call to come home. Come to the light. Come back to Jesus. The hour is urgent. And the road is narrow. Oh, we want God to bless us. God has no fellowship with darkness. That's Jesus came to make a way. He says, Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that the last hour has come. These people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left it, prove that they did not belong with us. There's going to be a great falling away. People's going to be in, people are going to be out. But you are not like that. For the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all of you know the truth. So I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ. Anyone who denies the Father and the Son is an antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. And in this fellowship, we enjoy the eternal life He has promised. I'm writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know. And what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ with Christ he holds you and he holds us, the church he is what keeps us in perfect unity do you remember what he prayed? as I and you are one so let them as well unity unity So you must remain faithful. He says, I'm just going to read it again. So you must remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. If you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. Wow. He goes on here in verse 29. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. Have you ever read this? Like I said earlier, do you ever just pause as you're reading through the Bible and allow it just to get in deep? And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ so that when he returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from him in shame. What a picture. To have that courage that when the eastern sky parts, to run to him, Or are you going to cower backward? You want to know how you, re- you will respond that day? How do you respond today? Do you shrink back from his presence? Because you know good and well you're enslaved to sin and you're a liar. You're a deceiver. You're unholy. You're of darkness. And you shrink back in the presence of God. If you do it now, you'll do it then. Or do you have the bold confidence in Christ, not in and of yourself, the courage in which he gives us to say you can boldly come into my presence. That you're walking by faith and not by sight. That you're abiding in him day in and day out. That you're allowing the Holy Spirit To rule and to reign, to be your comforter, to be your teacher, to be your guide. Wow. How are you living today? Are you shrinking back from him because of shame? Has that become a habit for you? It shouldn't even be a part of you. Not for a moment, not for a day, not for a year, not for any amount of time. You should not be shrinking back because you're ashamed of where you've been. Because you're Post, you're supposed to be remaining in the light so let us not shrink back even today let us boldly live by faith and with courage with the assurance that we belong with God because of Jesus that we have been grafted into his kingdom we can boldly come before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That He's given us the authority and the right. He has shared His inheritance with us. And we want to keep acting like fool, living the ways of the world. When His inheritance has been given to us, He is sharing that with us. See how very much our Father loves us? For He calls us His children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. Dear friends, we, already, we are already God's children. But He has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like Him. For we will see Him as He really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves just as He is pure. We have this eager expectation of his return, to be united with Christ. And in so doing, having, having that expectation, we have a desire to remain pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's, is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. Remember, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do, remember Jesus, your Advocate, Go back to him. Get up from where you are, confess your sins, repent, and go back to him. Oh, but if your lifestyle, if it becomes who you are, if this is all you're doing, you're living and running amok. Anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. And yet we want to keep coddling people as if they do. And yet we want to keep allowing people to believe that they have been engrafted in when they're not. This is a letter to the church. As it was then, so it is today. We just want to coddle people. But why coddle them when we know good and well that if they died in our arms, they would experience the wrath of God, an eternal judgment of hell, separation from God we don't have time to coddle we don't have time to pretend with people either they're living righteously or they're not either they're living in God or they're not you know if they're in God because of the way they're living they will live a right way they will live righteously and right standing with God if they're not living that way It don't matter how many times they got baptized and prayed for. It doesn't matter how many times they said the little prayer. They're not saved. They're of the darkness. It doesn't matter how many times they get up and preach and open up the Word and talk all spiritual if they're not living a righteous life. then they're, how did he put it, of the devil. They're not children of God, they're children of the devil. And we want to coddle the children of the devil, pretending that they're part of the family. No, you're not part of the family. You're not part of the fellowship. You're a child of the devil. Because if you were a child of God you will not keep living this way oh but you don't know my circumstances you don't know what's happening to me you don't i don't need to know your circumstances i don't need to know what excuses you're making to keep living in your own rebellion you see i'm really at a place where i say god i just don't want to continue to do as i've done The hour is too urgent to spoon-feed people. The hour is too urgent to be caught up with people of chaos. The hour is too urgent. They're either children of God or they're children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers... Does not belong to God. And he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this. and we think God is plain. Look at what is happening, you all. The earth is shaking. The hour is urgent. People are dying. And we know the truth. We know the truth. And God give us the boldness to stop backing down, stop just coddling people and walking quietly, you know, and just excusing things. No, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. We need to be just as bold as John is here in our lives. In this message, he is bold, but it is boldness with compassion. He's not excited about the fact that people are damned. He's trying to remind the church Remember who you are, how you should be living, the hope that you have. Don't be deceived. How many times go back and circle the word word liar? Go back. Listen to what he's saying here. Either you belong with God or you don't. And no matter where you all are in your walk with God, from a newborn Christian to a middle-aged Christian to a senior saint Christian, your life is marked out by righteousness. Even as a young Christian, you have such a zeal for Christ that you don't touch what you used to touch. All of a sudden, no one has to tell you. You just go, "Oh, I don't want to be a part of that." Oh God, and that should be carrying over as you're walking. We every phase or season in our lives have the same mark: one of the believer, one who is pursuing righteousness, one who's pursuing, one who is truly grieving his sorrow for sin. And if they're not, they're not children of God. Well, I've been around the church for years. You're not a child of God. Well, I've been baptized 15 times. You're not a child of God. I prayed the prayer six times. You're not a child of God. Because you're not living righteously. It's not man's ways. That's God. Don't fool yourself. The hour is urgent. The message may seem extreme. It must be extreme. Because we're talking about eternity. We're talking about what Jesus came to do to set the captives free. Like he came to set the captives free. You're no longer guilty. I have redeemed you. I have called you my own. This is the message. You have heard from the beginning, we should love one another. We must not live like Cain who belonged to the evil one who killed his brother. And we and why, I'm sorry, and why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what is righteous. So don't be surprised dear brothers and sisters if the world hates you. Darkness there's no friend to the light. So don't be surprised when those who are living in the world, mm-hmm. those who are living in a, with a form of religion, hates you. Yeah. Oh, you think you're better than me, do you? That's what the children of the devil say. Mm-hmm. Oh, now you're all super spiritual, are you? Now they want to go after your character and attack you and say things about you or tell you you're not of God. How dare you judge them? How dare you question them? The world, those who are bound by darkness, will hate you which could lead to them ultimately murdering you mm-hmm. but this world is not your home the Bible says don't be afraid of what man can do to your body mm-hmm. be afraid of the one who can not only destroy your body but also send you to hell mm-hmm. oh, but that makes people upset
0: because
1: mm-hmm. I don't like to see God that way mm-hmm. well but that's who he is yes. that's who he is If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. No greater love than this that a man will lay down his life for his friend. We know as Christians what real love is. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well, and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we are confident, and so we will be confident when we stand before God, even if we feel guilty. God is greater than our feelings, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. And we will receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the spirit. You must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the Spirit of Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people, because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the Spirit who lives in the world. Those belonging to this world, so they speak from a world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, and they do not listen to us, that is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. It's very clear, is it not? It's not hard to recognize where people are at. So again, why do we insist on making everyone feel apart when in reality they're not? We desire for them to meet. We uphold the truth to them so that they would come to Jesus, that they would become a child of God. We desire that. But if they keep refusing to believe, then what fellowship is there? Dear friends, let us continue to love one another For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And we know love because Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and just as we just read, that's how we should be living. Listen. Just because you serve, just because you do, does not mean that you love. There's a lot of people who are trying to work and show, look how much I'm doing, look how much I'm doing. But they have no love within them because look at their attitudes. Look at their attitudes. That's what I'm telling you. Like when I meditated, when I read through this, because I've been stirred up over these past couple of weeks about fellowship. About church, about the urgency of the day in which we're living, and God has brought me here and brought me to my face and said, This is who is of God and this who isn't. Stop calling those who think they're of me and they're not. Tell them they're not. Warn them. Warn them. a lot of people who are doing and they show no love but oh I'm a Christian oh I'm following God oh the best that I can come on God showed how much He loved us by sending the one and only Son into the world so that we may have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and His love is brought to full expression in us. Could you, could you imagine, just even our little small group, but that the church at large, if we just all came with the same purpose, how can I serve you? Like, what are your motives coming to church? We should want to see the manifestation of God's love among us to serve. To use our gifts, we all have different gifts. To move and to manifest in them. Not to desire other people's gifts, oh, I wish I could do what they do. No, do what you are created to do. And do it well, as unto the Lord. Look at this beautiful picture. Wow. And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him, and He in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other because He loved us first. If someone says, I love God but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And if He has given us this command, those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. And in closing... Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. No, I'm sorry, yeah. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Oh, it's just too hard. Who are you listening to? I can't be God. Living for Christ, living a life in Christ, a freed life is not burdensome. If you're finding it burdensome, then you're a a child of the devil. Have that what, what we heard from Scripture? You're either producing a right life Righteous living or you're producing wrong darkness rebellion (sighs) Jesus himself says if you love me you obey me." He also says if you put your hand to the plow and look back You're not fit for my kingdom, because you are looking back. Jesus himself, he used the same type of language to those who were pompous and arrogant in their religious ways. He says, no, you're the children of the devil. You're either on this path, or this path and it's not hidden from you you know where you're at and it's not hidden from others because of the fruit of your life (laughs) for every child of God listen to this defeats the evil world and we achieve the victory through our faith and who can win this battle against the world only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ was revealed as God's Son by His baptism in water. And by shedding His blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit who is truth confirms it with His testimony. So we have these three witnesses. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And all three agreed. Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his son. All who believe in the son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. And we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him. And since we know He has, I'm sorry, since we know He hears us, we make our request. We know that He will give us what we ask for. If you see a Christian brother or sister sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray. And God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death. And I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it, for all wicked actions are sin. But not every sin leads to death. And if you never studied those two scriptures, I'm going to put something in our notes so that you can study them and get an understanding. The meaning of these verses is debated among Christians. There's no absolute consensus on what this means. But generally speaking, we can conclude that there are sins that people can commit which God takes seriously enough to end their lives. Well, wow. an example of this is and and Sapphires. They lied, and they dropped dead in the church. Then another example they give in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 5, when Paul says, there's that one among you who is committing such great perversion. And do you remember how he says here? Deliver such one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. That his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And then we also know the, the he points out here, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is another sin certainly worthy of death. God give those who commit the sin over to the depravity of the hearts and mind, and they are beyond redemption. Some believe that the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a sin that leads to death. At the very least, it ensures damnation. <laughs> Verse 18 We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place In your hearts. Wow. What a letter. What a letter. I said, God, thank you. Through this letter, he's answered my prayer. God, how to lead in this time. And in this generation. It's very clear. There's no question. You're either living righteously or you're not. You're either living as a child of God or you're not. I want to close with this devotion that I posted. I'm not quite sure how many of you read it, but I want you to hear these words that were penned by one of my favorite pastors and evangelists, J.C. Ryle. It's titled, In Our Dying Hour. The day may come when after a long fight with disease, we shall feel that medicine can do no more, and that nothing remains but to die. Friends will be standing by, unable to help us. Hearing, eyesight, even the power of praying will be fast. Failing us. The world and its shadows will be melting beneath our feet. Eternity with its realities will be looming large before our minds. What shall support us in that trying hour? What shall enable us to feel, I fear no evil? Nothing, nothing can do it but close communion with Christ. Christ dwelling in our hearts by faith. Christ putting his right arm under our heads. Christ felt to be sitting by our side. Christ can alone give us the complete victory and the last struggle. Let us cleave to Christ more closely. Love him more heartily. Live to him more thoroughly. Copy him more exactly. Confess him more boldly. Follow him more fully. Religion like this will always bring its own reward. Reward. Worldly people may laugh at it. Weak brethren may think it's extreme. But it, wi- it will wear well. At even time it will bring us light. In sickness, it will bring us peace. In the world to come, it will give us a crown of glory that fadeth not away. The time is short. The fashion of this world pathes, passes away. A few more sicknesses and all will be over. A few more funerals and our own funeral will take place. A few more storms and tossings. And we shall be safe in harbor. We travel towards a world where there is no more sickness. Where parting and pain and crying and mourning are done with forevermore. Heaven is becoming every year more full and earth more empty. The friends ahead are becoming more numerous than the friends astern. Yet a little time and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. In his presence shall be fullness of joy. Christ shall wipe away all tears from his people's eyes. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. But he shall be destroyed. Death himself shall one day die. In the meantime, let us live the life of faith in the Son of God. Let us lean all of our weight on Christ. And rejoice in the thought that he lives forevermore. Yes, blessed be God, Christ lives though we may die. Christ lives though friends and families are carried to the grave. He lives who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light by the gospel. He lives who said, O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. He lives, who will one day change our vile body and make it like unto his glorious body. In sickness and in health, in life and in death, let us lean confidently on him. Surely we ought to say daily with one of old, blessed be God for Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll close this with the song and then I'll close this in prayer.